know what you're listening to. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. Good morning. Yeah, I'm doing this old school. Welcome to the fabulous football fantastic Friday edition of Snowman in the Morning, and it's the conclusion of our Super Bowl week of coverage, but you never know, I may sneak in a Sunday special right before the Super Bowl. So, I'm going to kick this off with a friend of mine by the name of Alex Fleming, who is in the midst of Super Bowl traffic right now on this Friday morning. How are you, my man? Oh, bro, I just parked down in Ybor City going to a Sisters in Sports event. I could barely hear you, but it's cleaned up now, and I'm glad to be on Snowman in the morning. Oh, man, I'm glad to have you. This is it. This is the last weekday before Super Bowl 55. So many storylines. Tried to cover as much of them all week as, as we can. But let me turn the floor over to you. What do you think are... Th- Two of the biggest storylines of this particular Super Bowl, one from each team. All right, for the Kansas City Chiefs, there's a lot of pressure on Mahomes. He didn't look great his last Super Bowl appearance, but he got it done. He's a regular season hero who has to be superhero in the postseason. That defense is suspect. I see a lot of holes in the Kansas City defense. However, Patrick Mahomes can overcome any lead, right? Whether it's three (laughs) touchdowns from Houston or nine points from Buffalo. There's so many people expecting Kansas City to win this game, A, because it's Patrick Mahomes, and B, people just hate Tom Brady. (laughs) What about on the other side of the ball? Now, let's flip the script. Tampa Bay. Everybody expects a blowout or a shootout or a high-scoring affair. Mm -hmm. But no one's talking about the running game. Ladies and gentlemen, the Kansas City Chiefs play a 4-2-5 defense, and they very rarely correlate from that. Do you know what Tampa Bay has that they haven't been utilizing in the playoffs that much? A sufficient running game. Yeah. They had 142 yards rushing against the Washington football team. They had 125 yards rushing against the Saints. And they had just enough rushing against the Green Bay Packers to keep them off bay and win. Guys, Leonard Fournette has 200 less carries than he did when he was a starter in Jacksonville. Rojo, who didn't play a couple of games, is nice and fresh and had almost three weeks to heal. No one is talking about the Tampa Bay running game, and it needs to be a point of emphasis. How big of a key is that Tampa Bay running game for them to for them to get the job done on their home field? When you have a running game, you're able to control the clock. If you can control the clock, that means Patrick Mahomes is on the sideline and not on the field tearing your defense apart. Right. Now, let's imagine that the time of possession in the first half, a 30-minute half, you have the ball for 20 minutes. Now, Kansas City might score quick once, maybe even twice. Mm -hmm. But if you're pounding the ball for 20 minutes out of 30, that means you're demoralizing the defense, 
You're controlling the time of possession, and that leads you to open opportunities and play-action passes for the dynamic wide receiver core you have. Yeah. The running game is going to be key and intricate in whether or not Tampa Bay can pull off this upset in the Super Bowl at home. Alex Fleming joining me here. ALXFLMNG is where you can find him online, talking all things all things sports, but of course we're leading off with the biggest elephant in the room, which is Super Bowl 55. There's only going to be 25,000 fans there. That's the number that was put out there. How big of an influence is that going to be for either team? supposed to be a home Super Bowl, but they took away the cannons. Yeah. You don't want to hear the cannons when Tampa Bay scores? That's not a home Super Bowl, right? Right, right. Wrong. <laughs> Tampa Bay is going to be the biggest underdog at home in yeah. NFL history. Yeah. Is, and I'm loving it. I'm loving a, it because it, everybody expects the defending Super Bowl champions to win. I'll give my pick uh, to close out to close out the show. And we're going a full four hours today talking all things talking all things Super Bowl and all things sports. And that's one of the cat Alex pressured me to do this, folks. When we talked last night, he said, I won't come on until you let the cat out of the bag. Well, here's the cat out of the bag. In two weeks' time, beginning two weeks from Monday, this show will be a full four hours. That means the best sports talk to start your day been contemplating a time change but this is the biggest change that i wanted to put in place and for me to get alex alex had to bribe me no actually he had to threaten me saying i ain't coming on until you let the cat out of the bag well there you go there's the cat out there's the cat out of the bag my friend because i know you've been asking about it and a hundred a hundred people have been asking about it so there it is two weeks from monday it'll be a full four hours now back to business, and we're going to go to the NBA as we take a look all over the place in the world of sports. We'll get back to the Super Bowl in just a moment. Why are they playing an all-star game when the original idea was to – yeah, you know where I'm going. The original idea was for the all-star break to be a break, at least for this year. Now they are scrambling – to put together an all-star game. Why are they doing that? Money, 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 money! <laughs> money! Money, 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 money! I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's about right, the only reason I can come up with. Let's be honest with each other, if you will. Yes, please. Um, the, the NBA desperately needs to get back some of the money it's lost due to COVID-19 and due to the bubble. Right. What better way to do that than have an all-star game and get all of those necessary proceeds you're going to get? You're going to have maybe, you know, two, maybe 3,000 people in the stands. You're going to have merchandise. You're going to have that MLK jersey that you want everybody to know about. You mm-hmm. want the black awareness for, you know, Black History Month, even yep. though the all-star game is going to be played in March. They're going to try to hype this up so much mm-hmm. that you'll have no choice but to hear about it, write about it, read about it, or watch it. And the game will probably be terrible. And it's in Atlanta. It's it's in Atlanta. It was scheduled for Indianapolis, and then the pandemic came along. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. The All-Star Game, and people have heard my opinion on the All-Star Game. If you missed it, here's a synopsis. 
the All-Star game in recent years has been absolutely terrible. It's been below average. There's no there's no pride in the all in the NBA All-Star game. I'm not arguing with you. I agree with you. I'm 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 wondering what the question is. Well, I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Okay? Why are they doing this? If we're not going to have a competitive All-Star game, if we're not going to have competitive events that have since gone down the tubes, why is this being done? I know people will say I'm throwing shade at it, but I'm only going off of what my eyes have seen. Why is this be why is this still being done? Who says this All-Star game is not going to be competitive? I believe this is going to be a competitive All-Star game. Everybody's so focused on the beast in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, yep. Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, and, and, you know, the necessary help on the bench. Guys, stop and take a look at the Eastern Conference. Please. Um, the obvious is Giannis Antetokounmpo, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Daniel the next officer, if you will, Jason Tatum, Mr. Brown, yeah. should be an all-star getter this year, mm-hmm. Zach Levine of Chicago, Demonis Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Guys, sleep on the Eastern Conference if you want to. I predict an upset. I got the East in the boring all-star game. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. Let's stay in the NBA as you're here on our kickoff kickoff segment of our Friday uh, snowman in the morning. Do you trust Philadelphia? Because everyone's ballyhooing about them given how they've started. And my spider senses are really up there. Do you trust Philadelphia right now? Are we talking about basketball or football? The answer is still going to be no. <laughs> That's the most fantastic answer I've, I've ever heard. But I, I agree. I I don't trust them. I can't trust them. It just seems like they've been way too comfortable, and you've heard me say this, they've been way too comfortable since they beat Miami in a playoff series, where's the progression? Where's the advancement? Okay. Let's talk about basketball and we can go to football. Basketball-wise, does Ben Simmons have a jumper yet? Do they have a bench? <laughs> I love Doc Rivers as a coach, but everybody's got to rest from time to time. Yep. And that barely victory they have over the Lakers? Okay, it's regular season. We've seen what Philadelphia does in the postseason. Correct. So, no, I don't trust the basketball team. And I'm not quite sure about that rumor about the transgender IG model. I'm not going to touch that. I'm (laughs) definitely not going to touch that. Nor am I. (laughs) Let's move on to football. You're you're really going to tell me that Frank Wright's offensive coordinator was a better choice than Eric Bieniemy or Jim Caldwell? Better yet. 
you're going to tell me that you're going to hire a coach from Indianapolis who, one, doesn't wear a suit, two, can't shave, and three, has a horrible press conference that is comparable to Dan Campbell's. But we're supposed oh, to believe there's going to be a fair market quarterback competition between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts? Oh, you God. know what? I got some ocean front property in Idaho to sell you <laughs> if you really believe that. <laughs> Yeah, that, their answers remain the same about Philadelphia. If you pick, if you could pick a team right now to come out of the East, who's that team and why? Ugh. I, thank you. You just you were, you read my mind. That's the answer I had in mind. You know, I don't trust Milwaukee. Miami is not the same Miami, Mm-mm. and for some odd reason. I don't think Philadelphia can get the job done. Mm-hmm. I like Boston. I like Boston also. I'm certainly not trusting Brooklyn. I'm certainly not trusting them with everything that they've put up so far, and they don't seem to realize um, y'all got to play some defense. What has been Brooklyn's big? What has been the Nets' biggest problem? And I'm tempted to say New Jersey because if they don't win. They're going back. They're going back to New Jersey. Well, I wish they would. But what has been the Nets' biggest problems? And I'll pluralize that problems. Defense. <laughs> look, look. Earlier this week, we got a treat. The Washington Bullets. I'm sorry, Washington <laughs> Wizards. <laughs> Yes, you Brody think the same way. You think the same un- way I do. Washington Bullets. <laughs> so, Brody and a very angry Bradley Beal went toe to toe with Kyrie, Dick Ross, and Durantula, mm-hmm. and won one forty nine to one forty six. Yep. How does something like this happen? A lack of defense. Yep. For the love of God, if they play defense in one quarter. They would have won this game. But no, defense was not mandatory, just like it wasn't mandatory against the Clippers. But there you have a two-man show between, you know, PG-13 and the Cyborg versus a three-man show in Thick Ross, Kyrie, and Durantula. If the Nets don't figure out how to play defense soon, they're going to be two and done in the playoffs. They won't be one and done. They'll blow out whoever they play in the first round. Second round? Now, that'll be a different story. Much different story. Alex Lemon joining me here to kick off the Friday program. You know what I think when it comes to the New Jersey Nets? And I'm not taking that one back. When it comes to the New Jersey Nets, there's we know the defensive problems. But there's a few ego problems. And Steve Nash has got to have his head spinning right now. His head's got to be spinning with all with all those egos there. And plus, they traded away their best defender and their top center. Who's going to play defense for that team? More to the point, who's going to play center for that team? Well, don't they still have DeAndre Jordan? Who's he? <laughs> uh, a little bit over-the-heel center who doesn't shoot free throws that well. But he's a hell of an offensive threat to people who don't know how to rebound. Yeah. So they still have DeAndre Jordan. And as a matter of fact, they traded away their future 
when they traded away Jared Allen. Yep. But they have a lot of good pieces. The Nets are one of very few teams that can actually get this done if they're just planning on outscoring everybody. Mm-hmm. Only a defensive prowess team who can average a buck ten is going to beat the Nets. Yeah. Here's the problem. I can name you three of those teams in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. Yep. Yep, correct on all three. Correct on all three. Let's go to the West. It seems to be, the stars seem to be aligned for the Los Angeles Lakers to go back-to-back. Seem to be aligned. The stars seem to somewhat be aligning for the Los Angeles Clippers. But it's the Clippers, and we all know how that story goes. Do we get an all-Los Angeles Western Conference final? My straight-up answer is no. We should have got an all-Clipper-Laker-Western Conference final last year. Correct. But the Joker had other things in mind. Mm-hmm. Sure Here's did. my only issue. The Lakers are being served up the Western Conference Championship with the silver platter. The Clippers being the second-best team or the third-best team, depending if Utah can keep this up, is going to have to actually run through some people. I hope the Clippers run into the Lakers so that way we can get that L.A. showcase because I'm sick and tired of stacked LeBron teams saying, I want my respect when no one was disrespecting you. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bronny, you're four and six. You were the opposite of Tom Brady yes. after this weekend. Yes, yes. So yet somehow, some way, you feel like you're being disrespected. And as far as Anthony Davis is concerned, I have nothing but love for the brother. Mm-hmm. He's from Chicago. After you win this championship, please get go, the hell out of L.A. Go home. Because you're going to be in that man's shadow until you do. Go home. Anthony Davis is the best player on the team, and yet LeBron's talking about him, about himself being disrespected. Who's truly being disrespected on that team? Anthony Davis is. And he's been disrespected on that team since he got there. Now, everyone wants to see Lakers and Clippers in a playoff series. I don't. Because I got a wild card up my sleeve of someone who could challenge both those teams. And that team resides in the Bay. You're still holding on to this notion that the Golden State Warriors, A, can make the playoffs, and B, challenge the Lakers? Hell yes. Hell yes, I'm holding on to that. Because it's going to – one of those two things, if not both, is going to happen. One of those two things, if not both, is going to happen. I've laid off the championship run. They just simply don't have enough horses. But – Challenge some te- challenge some teams. Yep, they've already got one on the Lakers this year. Why not? Because it's regular season. That's why not. There's a bit of a difference between a regular season game and a postseason game. I understand. Anybody that. can beat anybody in the regular season, and post-season, anybody can beat anybody in the post. But anybody can beat anybody in the postseason. Just ask the Denver Nuggets. Just ask the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, so I'm holding on from an AC. I'm holding on to that until I'm proven wrong, and I probably will be. 
But damn it, I'm holding on to that uh, until the final uh, final horn and, and triple zeros on the game that eliminates them. Period. There's there's firepower there. It'll probably get extinguished in the first round should the Warriors get there. But there's firepower there, and there's more coming next year. Next year, they're going to run roughshod over everybody. Oh, I'll agree with you. Next year, yes. they're a legitimate threat. Next year, definitely. They don't have enough bullets. Right, right. And, and that's the only reason I've pulled back from my ult- my, my ultimate prediction. They don't – They. They just don't, unfortunately, have enough horses to to get to get to June this year. But I'll be doggone if next year they get they don't get there. Oh no, no, we've had multiple talks about this, Mister Snow. Yes, um, the Golden State Warriors aren't dead; they're just taking a sabbatical. That's it. That's that's all. That's that's all they're doing. They're just they're just taking a sabbatical, and we got to take a break. Vernon Carey's on the way. He'll offer his thoughts about playing with the Charlotte Hornets, being drafted out of Duke. Mike debate to come later, and then I'll have uh, Desmond Johnson inside the sports buffet. This fellow is Alex Fleming kicking off the show with me. Uh, follow him A L X F L M N G on all social media. Thanks a lot, my friend. I appreciate the time. Go Bucks. Well, there's his prediction. He's picking the Bucks. I've teased all week. I have teased all week about what my prediction is. And I all and I, I keep saying and I will continue to say that the pick won't happen until the end of the show. It won't happen till the end of the show. But people who know me already know who my pick is i'll just say it i'll just say it loud when mike debate comes on with me next hour back after this beamer tire and auto repair now with three locations across the triad in high point greensboro and our new location in kernersville beamer tire and auto offers full service auto repair all tire brands free alignment checks oil changes and more in kernersville check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop check out their thousands of five-star ratings via google and yelp they care because they know that you can go anywhere so try a shop with a beating heart not a bottom line beamer tire and auto repair visit us on facebook or at beamretire.com So what better way to continue ourselves on uh, the Fantastic Friday edition of Super Bowl week than to take a peek inside the sports buffet. It's Desmond Johnson now joins me. And for once, I don't hear him in a car yet. Good morning, DJ. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Sitting in the studio, putting together work for another loaded uh, sports weekend on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And, uh, just happy to happy to be here, alive and healthy, like my my man Brandon Blakey would say. Alive Absolutely, alive, healthy, and well, and inside Super Bowl week. And but we're going to start with a little college basketball. It's Carolina, it's Duke, it's rivalry week. That game is Saturday, six p.m. But some extraordinary circumstances, mainly the teams haven't gotten their act together yet. It seems have kept them out of the top twenty-five. You ever? Have you ever covered a UNC Duke game where neither team was in the top 25 yet, like this one? No. 
um, I'm four, I just turned 43 in January and never in my lifetime have I been able to recall a situation where both the teams were not ranked in the top 25. Uh, you know, just, we can go back to just last year, Duke's the top 10 team and Carolina's going through injury issues and struggles and finished 14 and 19, uh, on the season and just really wasn't a, a good team. Uh, there's been times where, you know, one team is superior to the other in terms of talent level. Uh, and that goes back over the past 40, 50 years. Right. You know, it's a tug of war between the two, really from uh, when Coach K got there in the late 70s, early 80s to, to present day. Um, but no, this this is a, a different situation for Duke and Carolina going into Saturday night's game. But I will say that that's not going to have an effect on the game itself. Like Duke and Carolina is about the closest thing you can get to in sports to a sure thing in terms of you will be entertained. It will not be a boring game. It will not be a game you wish you had not wasted two hours on. Uh, something will happen in it that will be iconic and remembered as part of the lore of the series. It, to me, it's the greatest rivalry in all of sports, not just college basketball, but all of sports, baseball, NFL, NBA, you name it. Duke Carolina has everything you want in a rivalry that you could potentially even think of. You know, it's not lopsided like Alabama Auburn is, uh, it, or Lakers Celtics in terms of their head to head matchups uh, in the finals. They don't see each other eight, 12 times a year like the Red Sox and the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not as lopsided as, you know, Ohio State, Michigan. Those are all great rivalries, but the thing that makes Carolina Duke so great is that it's almost like, two guys lifting weights, you can lift more when you have a spotter with you. Yeah. If you're lifting by yourself, you can't lift as much. And Duke is Carolina's spotter, and Carolina is Duke's spotter. You know, it, it, they they tend to feed off of each other's successes. Duke wins in 2015. They win the whole thing. The very next year, Carolina goes to the Final Four, and then after that, Carolina wins theirs. Uh, it's been like that. It's kind of funny, actually. We did this uh, one rivalry week on the rundown a couple weeks back. I went back to go look and see uh, when one of them goes to the Final Four, the other one usually goes the next year. And it was like a pattern that was really weird. Uh, if I recall, like uh, like I just mentioned in 2015, Duke Blue Devils winning it all, and then 2016 Carolina goes. Before that, 2009, North Carolina goes to the national championship. The next year, 2010, Duke goes to the national championship and wins yep. it. Before that. 2005, Carolina goes to the Final Four, wins the national championship. The next year, 2006, Duke goes to the Final Four. Um, it, it, it just It's crazy. Uh, 98, Carolina goes to the Final Four. That Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson Jr.-led mm-hmm. team that was so good. Mm-hmm. What happens the next year? 99, Duke blasts through every single person on their schedule, and they end up in the national championship game and lose to UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2000, Carolina makes a run from an eighth seed to get to the Final Four. What happens the next year, 2001? Duke wins the Duke national wins championship. Yep. And, and that you was know, it's, the... cra- it's crazy when you look at it. You're just like, oh my gosh, how did these two programs get like this? Yeah. And it's just the way it is. So I'm still I'm still hyped for Duke Carolina, even though they're not ranked. For me, being a Carolina fan, that doesn't matter. Uh, it's not as hot online, social media-wise, like it would be during a regular rivalry week with mm-hmm. a lot of smack talk or whatnot. Both, both fan bases are kind of uh, down on themselves right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, but I imagine that'll 
they'll shake the cobwebs off and get back to the smack talking before we get to six o'clock on Saturday. Inside the sports buffet with Desmond Johnson. Follow him at Des underscore three five zero five. The man in charge of Tobacco Road Sports Radio joining me here on the program. What is your favorite memory of a Duke Carolina rivalry? Because a couple of them for me is the day they opened the Dean Smith Center, 1986, and Marty Brenneman was on the call for uh, Jefferson Pilot. And then there was February 2nd, 1995, Cameron Indoor Stadium, when it seemed like Carolina was going to run away three separate times. But then Jeff Capel rode, rode to the rescue and then there was a jumper and a steal in a basket that finally gave Carolina some breathing room in the second overtime. And when you know it, Duke comes within an eyelash of tying it again. And I kind of lost my voice that night and maybe my ears with 9,300 people at Cameron Indoor Stadium. What are, your, some, what are some of your favorite memories of, of Carolina Duke? Uh, that would, that would be up there, uh, 95 and Cameron, um, watching a game in Cameron indoor. I'm a Carolina fan. People know that, uh, I don't yep. try to hide it at all. Like a lot of talking had to do on sports radio. Um, the 95 Cameron, uh, indoor game, Duke Carolina, coach K was out with back injury, back surgery. Uh, Carolina was like a top team in the country at that point. Uh, Rasheed Wallace, Jerry Sackhouse and those guys, uh, Jeff McGinnis. Uh, the Jeff Capel half court shot to something overtime. The Dick Vitale flip out. Uh, well, really, everybody. <laughs> we all were like, like when he hit it, everybody was just like, oh, oh, yeah. Like it just it yeah. literally. I can't think of another time in basketball where it was just like, for about a hard ten seconds after he hit that shot, it literally the announcers just let the crowd like mm-hmm. just cheer with them going nuts on the mic, just going. Oh, oh, like no words. Yeah, none. <laughs> like, oh, none. like on and on and on for 10 seconds. And you would think the Duke won the game. They did not win that game. Uh, Carolina won that game in double overtime. And that's also a game that had an iconic moment where Jerry Stackhouse did the cradle under the rim dunk yep. on Cherokee Parks. Yep. Um, it just, there's so many. To be honest, I think the one for me uh, deals with my favorite Carolina team of all time. And people are surprised when I tell them which one it is. It's actually the 2017 North Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah. Um, and when they beat Duke um, to clinch the ACC regular season at the end of 2017 on senior day, uh, it just – that team was so uh, – if you were a Carolina fan, you you went through the emotional gauntlet with that team from the mm-hmm. year before, 2016. Yep. Uh, you know, and seeing, you know, Marcus Page and – uh, Bryce Johnson, who was a beast senior year at North Carolina, uh, the 40 point, 20 rebound game against Florida state. Like they were, they should have won 2016 and they were a, a prayer bank shot three pointer in the national championship away from being back to back champs. Yeah. In 2017, all of them came back except for Paige and Johnson who graduated. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like in the beginning, it was a business uh, trip. The goal was to get back to the final four and to win the national championship. And Duke was in the way. Like Duke had see, 2017. I want to say that was uh, uh, Marvin Bagley and like yep. Will Carter, like that squad. Um, so beating them senior night, because that, for all intents and purposes, it was going to be senior night for Justin Jackson. Everybody kind of knew he was going to leave after junior year. Um, so we knew that. And you know, some of the other guys on that squad. And just for them to make it all the way back to the national championship, Luke May was on that team. 
that was the year where they hit the the shot against Kentucky. Luke May hits that shot. That team made me Luke cry. May. Twice. Yeah, like literally made me have tears like rolling down my face within like a three week span. The, the Luke May shot against mm-hmm. Kentucky, mm-hmm. I just lost it. And then I when bet. they actually won and and clinched against Gonzaga, yeah, the final seconds when um, Justin Kennedy Meeks, my boy Kennedy Meeks. Wrestled that rebound away mm-hmm. at the very end, and then they, they steal the ball. Justin Jackson goes down, he dunks, and he just lets out this lethargic yell. Yes. And, and you just start to realize that they're going to do this. There's yeah. no better feeling in a sports for a sports fan than to, than to be in that moment right before the horn sounds and know that your team is about to be a champion. And I think that that, that win against Duke 2017 stands out the most for me no. right now. No, it could be different after Saturday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, could be, yeah, it could be. You never know. You know? <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> I think we all. I think that's why we all love it so much. Yeah, it, it, it could be. It could be different. It's at Cameron Indoor Stadium Saturday, six p.m. tip off. Now to the biggest reason I have him on Sunday is the Super Bowl. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are hosting the Super Bowl. But before we get to fifty-five, give me a couple of your favorite Super Bowls from the past that made you say, "Okay." This is the game I hold out for during the NFL season. Um, favorite Super Bowls of the past. The, the, well, one of my favorite Super Bowls is the first one I remember uh, watching and actually understanding what was going on as a kid, and that would be the '85 Super Bowl, uh, Bears Patriots Super Bowl Twenty. <laughs> yeah, that was the first. I was, uh, you know, in '85. I'm like eight, and that's right around the age where you can kind of, you kind of understand the rules of the game. Right, you got some players you like. <laughs> the Bears, people, I don't know if people remember or not, the Bears put out Super Bowl Shuffle two weeks before the Super Bowl. They, they were already bragging about being Super Bowl champions. They did. Like, you got to have cojones to do that. Uh, <laughs> and you just fell in love with that Bears team. Don't know why. Well, I do know why. They never made it back to a Super Bowl. But uh, definitely that team should have had a couple more rings than just the one. They should have. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to uh, the, Super, the Rams-Titans Super Bowl. One yard um, short. For personal reasons. <laughs> actually, I, I mentioned this on the rundown last week. Uh, it's, I actually missed the majority of the game, including the end. I was in college, and I was at a frat party, and I had <laughs> met a girl at the frat party. <laughs> and uh, I was off with her and didn't see the end of the game and had to hear it from my buddies that I'd end up missing, like, you know, one of the greatest endings of Super Bowl history because yeah. I was out messing with some sorority girl. Um, and then, of course, the two Panther appearances. Super Bowl 50, not so much. Mm-hmm. That team feels like one of the biggest, like, sh- like what if type stories. Right. If that right. Panthers team in 2015 had won that Super Bowl against Denver, we would be talking about that Panther team as one of the top three teams of all time. Yes. Like, if you really sit down and look at it, they had one loss. They, they were number one scoring offense in the league. They had a top 10 defense. Cam was the league MVP. Rivera was the coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they destroyed everybody in the NFC playoffs, like just ran through the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And if they had just finished the job and beat the Broncos, they would have been one of three teams that would have been 17-1 and one to mm-hmm. finish the season, the 84 49ers and the 85 Bears. Yep. That's it. Yep. You know, those are the only ones. So that's a huge missed opportunity there. So that game kind of haunts me a little. And then Super Bowl 38. Uh, Panthers Patriots. Um, to me, it's still the most exciting second half of a Super Bowl of all time. Uh, just watching the Panthers go back and forth with Tom Brady and the Patriots mm-hmm. and not backing down 
all the way to the very minute. Yep. Uh, I happened to be at a party for that as well. There was a lot of Panther fans. We were all sitting around watching it. And now, of course, that's the Super Bowl to have the, the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake halftime show, which we won't, because <laughs> it's a family show. We won't go back into what happened there, but that made it eventful. <laughs> so people remember that. But those would be the ones that come off the top of my head uh, immediately. <laughs> See, why you got to bring that up, man? Like it's not hey, like man, everybody. I, every once in a while, I just not, think about it. I just think about it's it. It's not like <laughs> everybody saw it live, okay? Because <laughs> I was at you a Super Bowl. Funny. I was at a Super Bowl party with the young lady that I, that I was dating at the time. We had and we had a full house, okay? And then yeah. that that malfunction happened, and nobody said a word for like no. ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm, it was me and like eight or nine friends and we're sitting around like uh, a television like all spread out and it was halftime so nobody's really paying attention to the the performance yeah Everyone's yeah kind yeah. Of talking yeah, to each other yeah. And, you know everybody's drinking and stuff and i remember it was me and my friend steve we were still talking to each other but we just happened to be the only two people in the room still looking at the tv <laughs> and then it happened and like me and him both he let out this like it, this weird yell like Oh, 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 and like people didn't know what was going on because it was halftime and everybody looked over and the thing that kind of clued it off that it was kind of set up was that mm. they kind of just stayed there yeah. like, like Justin did yeah. and then the camera just stayed there for like five hard seconds <laughs> it doesn't stay away it's almost like the camera guy was like entranced by it and like right. didn't switch off so it gave us enough time to alert everyone else in the room but look, look at the TV, look at the TV and uh, yeah that messed up halftime shows for like the next 10 years, but made a memorable, memorable game. That, that Patriot did. game, man. It did. It's up there. It it's one of the best Super Bowls ever to me. First Super Bowl I ever watched was um, 80, what, 1980, and I learned about the, the legend of Jim Plunkett because uh, he, came out of, he came out of nowhere and took the Raiders to a Super Bowl. But the one that locked me in was Super Bowl sixteen. And that was because of the play that happened two weeks prior, the catch in the end zone, which, of course, made me a 49er fan for life. Then the Bear, then mm-hmm. 84, uh, 49ers beat the Bears. Next year, the Bears crowned the 49ers and then crowned the Patriots. But if, there, if there's a Super Bowl that's, like, underrated, uh, Super Bowl 22 in uh, San Diego with the Washington Redskins and the Denver Broncos – Broncos bust out to a 10-0 lead, and then Doug Williams said, all right, we've had enough of this. First play of the second quarter, he hits Ricky Sanders for an 80-yard touchdown, and the route was on after that. That The route was on. That that was my team, and I told this to people, too, that I grew up here in North Carolina – uh, this was Redskin country before yes. it was Panthers. Because uh, yep. that was the one o'clock game here. The, this was the Redskins Red TV footprint yeah. here. Um, and everybody had those red uh, Redskin jackets around and everything. So mm-hmm. when I moved here uh, at a young age, I got introduced to the Redskins early. And that game, that that second quarter is the best way to describe the current day Kansas City Chiefs offense. Yes. That second quarter from that Redskins Broncos <laughs> game where the Redskins just kept just scoring for like no reason. And, and it was and they, just like you looked up and they're up twenty eight points. You're like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the closing thing I think to it is like the 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 Chiefs run last year through the playoffs where they would be down. Yep. And then you leave the room and come back, they're up like twenty. And you're like, what just happened? Like how does that even <laughs> physically possible to do this and that's what the Redskins did in that game man that was 
was a fun day. That yeah. Redskins win was a fun win. I, I told this probably story. the last fun the Redskins have had. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think about it. I I, I, I told this story. I told this story last year, um, right before right before the Super Bowl. We were wa- my wife and I were in our office and we were watching the Texans and the Chiefs. And by the time we got settled, all our snacks and everything, because for us, super, for us, Sunday football is is like one of our date days during the week. By the time mm-hmm. we got yeah. settled, it was twenty one nothing, and then it became twenty four nothing. And my wife asked me, she says, "Who are you picking?" I said, "I'm I I I, I picked the Chiefs." And she went back and listened to my picks, and she said, "You may have to apologize for that." Yeah. In the blink of an eye. 24 nothing Texans became 28-24 Kansas City. I looked at my wife and she looked at me and she says, okay, how'd you jinx the Texans? And I fell out laughing. I said, I didn't jinx anybody. <laughs> this is No, nah, they just got a little of that. This that is Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes magic is all they got. <laughs> like, and, I, and I was against I was against the Chiefs, but uh, my, my, my homie Aaron Gabriel, part of the rundown crew, uh, we had worked together previously at a different uh, radio station, and yeah. uh, while we were there, that was the descent of Pat- Patrick Mahomes, and he's the biggest Chiefs fan I know. And every single day, he would come in with like <laughs> video clips or an article or something because he really wanted me to like Patrick Mahomes. And I was like, No, I'm not giving it to this kid because you know what I mean. Like he's only started 12 games. I'm not buying the hype. Right, right, and right, right. Last year, in that it was last year in the Oilers game. No, no, no. It was the one before. It was last year in that Texans game where I gave up. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> this is the truth. I've never seen this before. Like, I was I was scared to admit what I had been watching. Yeah. Something I had not seen. And I think that's what's going on right now. Oh, people yeah. People are like, whoa, it's too fast to say he's a Hall of Famer and stuff. And I'm like, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> it's been three years. Right. He, and they've won 24 of their past 27 games, Brian. Mm-hmm. Like who does that? You know what I mean? Like it's his just, opponent, it's Tom Brady. <laughs> his opponent, yeah. Okay, Pretty and before much. the and before <laughs> them, you know where I'm going, Mr. Montana. That's who. You you want to you want to? If talk? I had to choose, if I was if in this moment right now, if they were playing in today's game, if I had to choose between Joe Montana and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick I'm probably Mahomes. picking Mahomes. Mahomes. Because yeah. Mahomes, he's just throwing things you, at angles I've never seen before. I've, just, I've never seen him. I've never seen him underhand the ball. And this is this is a fellow who has seen Steve Young do some stupid things and they work. I've seen Brett Favre do some yeah. stupid things and they work. I've seen Mr. Montana do some, thing, do some stupid things and they work. I've seen the great Tom Brady do some stupid things and, and, and they work. But if they were to play today, Mahomes would, would – would outthink them all. I've seen I've seen Mahomes throw a behind the back pass, a behind the yeah, back pass, yeah. <laughs> and He's I'm sitting there like going across the chest, right across the field, forty yards. <laughs> like it's a, yeah, it's insane. And like you're I've going, learned, I'm not betting against them. You're, you're, I'm not betting against you're, them. You're, but, you're going. You're sitting there going. Wait, you're sitting. You're sitting there going. What the hell are you doing? Wow, that's the yeah, reaction you get. That's the reaction you get. Literally, okay. So now, the, so now I, the, pro- the problem now is you've got two quarterbacks that nobody wants to bet against playing each other. I can't. Because I'm not I betting against Patrick bet Mahomes, and i damn sure not betting against Tom Brady. I've learned my I lesson can't do it. over 20 years. I can't do it. So I have to wins? do it. I have to do it officially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to do it officially to close the show. But yeah, I can't, I, I can't do it. I can't bet against either one of them. 
because well, I think you're gonna, Brady, I think you're gonna Brady's going to figure out something. Listen, Brady's going to figure out something to have one of those maniacal drives, and then Patrick Mahomes is just going to run at a hundred miles and and that Legion of Zoom is just going to run at a hundred miles an hour down the field, and it could turn out to be the highest score in Super Bowl in history. It could wipe yeah, out say, the record that Super Bowl twenty nine put up. Okay, I will say this. I think the key to this game is going to be Kansas City and Tampa Bay's running game. I yes. think everyone's focused on the passing game for both teams. Right. Tampa's been running really well the past like three or four weeks. Uh, actually, ever since they lost to the Chiefs mm-hmm. uh, about six or seven weeks ago, yep. both teams are undefeated since that game. And a lot of it's been from them relying on their run game. Um, I don't know if Kansas City will have all of their running backs at their disposal. Uh Tampa Bay, Leonard Fournette looks like the top 10 draft pick that he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, their offensive line is blocking really, really well. And I think if Tampa Bay wins this game, it'll be because of the running game, not because of Tom Brady. Yeah. If the Chiefs win the game, it'll be because of something Pat Mahomes did. Yeah. Um, and that's the difference. And, and think, remember, Patrick Mahomes' dad was a pitcher. So you wonder right. where Mahomes got all those sidearm angles from. He'll be on the run, and I've, I've seen this happen, and I know you've seen this happen. I know we're coming up against the break as uh, uh, Dr. K just uh, got in my ear. i got to put this out there. We've seen it happen where Mahomes will be on the dead run, defense is chasing him, and all of a sudden you just see him drop Dan Quisenberry style, flip it up in the air, and it turns what, what was, should have been a two-yard gain turns into a 20-yard gain because of those angles. I've never seen a quarterback throw those kind of angles and pads before in my life. So I got to yeah. put you on the spot here before we go to before we go to a break. I got to put you on the spot here. Desmond says <laughs> For some reason all week long, I've been thinking Tampa Bay is going to win this game. Yeah. Um because they have the better defense mm-hmm. between the two teams. And I think that I think that Tampa is built to be able to disrupt Kansas City's rhythm, right? Which is basically what San Francisco did for the first you know three quarters of the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. San Francisco's defense basically disrupted them. And what was the thing that San Francisco was doing last year that Kansas City could not stop? And then all of a sudden, for no reason, uh, San Francisco stopped doing it. They ran the football. They ran the ball down their throat. They, they ran, ran it down ran the football. Kansas City's throat. And there was no, nothing. Those sweeps that Kansas, I mean, that uh, San Francisco was doing last year mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Debo Samuel or whatever, where they basically like a jet sweep to the left, jet sweep to the right. Yep. And it was like just that that speed. Uh, Kansas City just couldn't deal with it. Nope. And it wasn't that they stopped it. San Francisco just stopped doing it for some reason, and that allowed Kansas City to get back in the game. Yeah. I think it did. Bruce Arians would not do that if they if they're running the ball really well. He's not going to all of a sudden decide to put it in the arms of a forty three year old Tom Brady. Um, if they follow that same plan, so I think you can beat Kansas City that way by running the ball on them. Uh, hell, the Panthers almost did it earlier this year in Arrowhead mm-hmm. uh, with the one of the two games McCaffrey actually played, uh, and he had a great day that day running the ball. Yeah, if they can run the ball in Kansas City, don't be surprised if Tampa wins this game in a kind of a lower scoring matchup like a. Not necessarily to say that they're going to hold Kansas City to 17 points, but if they can hold them to 20, or nah, that doesn't sound like that can work either. <laughs> 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 that's the problem. Like you're trying to it, figure it out. Like, remind, what's this the matchup. Point total? This matchup kind of reminds <laughs> you of Super Bowl 25, doesn't it? You got the ground and pound of the Giants, 
And then you got the air attack of the Buffalo Bills. It, it could be uh, that. It could well, be that. Well, Tampa's not – I mean, I won't put Tampa on the same level as uh, that Giants because they couldn't really score. They, they still were very heavy defensively with LT and – you know, Pepper Johnson and those guys. True. This Tampa team's loaded. Like, they are loaded talent-wise. They actually compare very favorably to Kansas City in terms of skill positions, mm-hmm. like who they have. And I think Antonio Brown's going to be active for the Super Bowl. So that's I another guy so. yeah. you're going to need. Keep in mind, too, two of the uh, linemen for Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken, are either injured. Uh, I think Eric Fisher's out for the year. He blew his ACL or uh, Achilles or something in that, uh, that AFC Championship game. Uh, that's their left tackle. And I think the center is out too. So that's really crucial for Kansas City for them not to have two of their starting linemen playing, uh, going up against uh, Tampa Bay and you know Jason Pierre-Paul and and, and the, the guys they have up front. I'm, it's not so cut and dried, man. I know everybody wants to say the, the yeah, the, uh, it's not that the, the the Chiefs are going to win it, but um, I, I, I'm really looking at Tampa Bay. I'm just like, how many times have you bet against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had. 10 times now to do it. How many times have you actually bet against him? Other than the first one against the Rams, I, more often than not, we're kind of thinking that he's going to come out of there with a ring. So I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Tampa Bay right now. So I reserve the, the right to change that between now yeah, do. and when the rundown comes on later on the day. Four o'clock, I should say. But as it stands right now, Friday so, morning, I'm picking so Tampa it's Bay. Friday, so Friday morning, he's picking Tampa Bay. But by the time I tune into the rundown, and y'all should too, it's a it's a great show on for those of you listening via Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Minds could change by 4 o'clock. That's what you're telling me, right? right. I, I reserve the right to change my mind before, uh, before, before we start rundown this afternoon right. with Friday Rush. Who do you have, who do you have on today? Let, let's give these people. Let, let's give the folks and what their appetites for, uh, 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 for the rundown. Who do you have today? So we got a treat today. Uh, so it's a two-hour-long rundown. Uh, Friday Rush is loaded uh, this afternoon. Before rundown, actually live with Brandon Blakeney, a great, great conversation uh, that's going to run commercial-free the whole entire hour. No nice. commercials. Brandon got a, Brandon got a chance to interview. Marcus Shockley, who is the owner of the Winston-Salem Wolves, the semi-professional basketball team in Winston-Salem, and uh, Jamie Shaw, uh, who many uh, people will know, huge in the high school basketball and football recruiting scene. Nice. Um, owns suspension sports. They had an hour-long conversation about this new league that is getting started for high school players uh, so they don't have to go overseas or whatnot mm-hmm. um, and not have to go to college. It's just a great conversation about co- the state of college basketball and how the shoe companies have destroyed a lot of things. and Oh, yeah. Uh, it, oh, yeah. It's a great conversation. They did it live on Facebook a couple of days ago, but we decided to run it uh, for Brandon's show today. Then rundowns at 4, 4 to 6 on uh, uh, this today. Um, the regular rundown crew is throughout the show. Myself, Rod Funderburg, Brandon Blakeney, uh, Aaron Gabriel. Special guest this week, we have Larry Frank um, from uh, Tampa. He hosts uh, speak, uh, Speaking Frank. Um, it's a show basically about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Facebook Live. I was on his show earlier this year when uh, Carolina took on Tampa. So we wanted to have a Tampa Bay guy come on and talk about, you know, just what it's been like watching, you know, a legend like Tom Brady come in and, and basically change the culture of the franchise in Which a year. Did. And then a uh, longtime favorite of the program, good friend of mine, well-known across the state, uh, David Glenn will be on uh, with us. <laughs> I love uh, David. Yeah. 
Well, I figured with uh, the best rivalry in college basketball, maybe all the sports happening Saturday, who better to get on than the founder of the ACC Sports Journal to talk about, you know, Carolina Duke and great games, great uh, players, and just his thoughts on what's happening with Duke and Carolina this year. Yep. Uh, plus, of course, we'll give our Super Bowl picks. Aaron, the resident Chiefs fan in the house, uh, will tell us how much <laughs> the Chiefs are going to beat the uh, the Buccaneers by. And uh, we'll touch on some other stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. We'll, I mean, we got two hours. We'll touch on some other the, stuff. The, too. The, know, everybody knows how we do the, the, the So We'll have a lot of fun. The way that sneaker companies have ruined college basketball, get, get him on here because I want to have a conversation with him about that. I really do. Who's that? Um, uh, one of the guests that you mentioned, and his, his Marcus name Marcus would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, well, because I told Marcus, because uh, he used to appear on the rundown, uh, we were on a different platform off and on. Um, and I told him I wanted to get him back on soon, so I'll, I'll work something with him and see if he wants to come on. Sweet, and, uh, talk to you about that because he, he's the guy to talk to about a lot of that stuff. He's on the inside for a lot of that, so we'll wet the, wet the appetite of the uh, wet the appetite of the fans with that, and plus. Uh, ECBL is in the works too, so y'all pay attention to that. Yeah. That's the that's the sports buffet with the uh, Desmond Johnson. We're gonna put a sponsor by that. Also, we're gonna work and put a sponsor by that. I'll work it and put a sponsor by that. So, folks in the triad, get ready to see my face a lot because there's still much to do with uh, Snowman in the Morning and with Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Always a pleasure, my brother. I love you. And one of these days, we're doing this show live, and you're coming on with me. I'm just putting it out there. Amen. Hey, I appreciate uh, everything you've been doing. I was talking to uh, Brett Wiseman and James Wilson, uh, I think it was last week, we were together doing a basketball game, and uh, they were raving about your morning show. They were like, you know, that's, that's the best morning show in the triad in terms of what what you guys are talking about, the subjects, the guests you have on is different. It's way better than outkick the coverage or whatever nonsense is on, on other networks. Oh, and man, uh, I appreciate it. Say people are respecting what you do, man. So keep it going and uh just know you've got you're building a following, which is what you wanted to do and yeah. Uh, we were more than happy to help out with that. I appreciate it. This is be- going to become the best show, not just in the triad, but in North Carolina and the nation by the time I'm done because the team that I'm putting together, yourself included, is awesome. Okay? And the way that you've helped streamline this show, I can't tell you enough how much I, I appreciate it. You know? And, folks, I got to tell you, Desmond and I met for the, fir- for, for the first time. He He said, you got some great content, but we got to streamline it and put it all together. This is the man responsible for it. Man, always a pleasure. I love you, brother. Thank you so much. Hey, man. I'll talk to you soon. Man, he <laughs> he couldn't he 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 couldn't he couldn't make a pick. He couldn't make a pick. And I gotta do my pick later. Speaking of later, I'll be back a little later. This is Snowman in the morning. This is indeed the fantastic football Friday edition of Snowman in the Morning, but we're going to mix in a little hoops talk throughout the course of the show. And I got a great guest for you on the line. He was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets out of Duke University. Please welcome Vernon Carey to the program. Vernon, how are you, my man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. What's it like um, being a professional basketball player Staying in North Carolina because you played at Duke and now you're with the Charlotte Hornets and uh, also the Greensboro Swarm of the of the of the G League. What's it like staying home? Um, it's really cool. Uh, 
especially me and uh, me never seeing the city of Charlotte before. We get, I got drafted there, so uh, first time being there, um, it's an upcoming city for sure. A lot of buildings, a lot of new stuff. So I think it's a pretty cool city. What was Sorry. it with with this weekend being UNC and Duke? one of the greatest mm-hmm. college basketball rivalries. What was it like playing for Coach Krzyzewski in that rivalry versus North Carolina? Um, It was crazy just, just being able to play with Coach K, um, his reputation, and I guess UNC and the rivalry that they have. Um, it's great. Um, it's the best. But, um, and just being able to be in that atmosphere – felt like it, it was also pretty cool. It's it is very cool, but it's strange. Is it strange for you this year not having fans in the stands due to COVID? Yeah, it's definitely strange. Just, um, yeah, I feel like yeah, it's, it's very strange, but it's just something that we have to get used to. At least for this year. <laughs> it, it, I know it's strange not having fans in the stands. And I know it's also strange on the COVID level. What's your adjustment been like with COVID going on and then you get drafted and then you have to make an adjustment from college to the pros in the, in the midst of a pandemic? What's that adjustment like? Um, because everything's going to be thrown at you because uh, we didn't know how long, how when the season was going to start and stuff like that. So um, once we heard out the season was going to start uh, early early December, um, we got a lot of things thrown at us uh, at early training camp early, um, and then practices and stuff like that. So just being ready, being ready all the time. That's, that was the biggest thing this year. Vernon Carey joining me here, a member of the Charlotte Hornets and the Greensboro Swarm, talking adjustments, talking UNC Duke. Um, Let me pose this. Coming to the Hornets, what was the first thing that you wanted to establish with your teammates and with your coaches? Um, uh, I'm a hard worker. I thought I heard everything that but that, that, um, that comes my way. It's a that hard work, reputation. What was it like the night you heard your name called during the NBA draft and you mm-hmm. realized that you were indeed going to be a professional basketball player? What, what was that feeling like? Um... I mean, just indescribable, really. Um, yeah, I mean, just something that you've been working for all your life, and that it's finally becoming a reality. Uh, it, was, it was really, pretty, it was probably one of the best moments I had. Did you have friends all my life? Did you have friends and family around you when your name was called? Yeah, I had like all my immediate family and uh, friends like that. But yeah. Vernon Carey joining me here on the program talking all things uh, Charlotte Hornets Um, what are your goals what goals did you set 
for this season? Um, to come in and work hard and learn as much as I can quickly. That was the biggest thing that that I at least tried to do. Um, again. Was it was it tough? Has it been tough? You know, learning all that you can in such a short amount of time, and a condensed, um, and a condensed training camp. Was it um, was it tough for you to get adjusted? Um. I mean, it was, I mean, in the beginning it was kind of just like the first, like the first week, first week or two, just being able to learn all the plays and, and stuff, the new NBA sets and offenses and defensive schemes and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, probably for like the first week or two. What was one of the biggest things? Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah just like seeing, seeing stuff like that uh, until now. So definitely. Just those things. What was one of the hardest things you've had to learn so far within the Hornet system? Um, it's probably knowing where to be, be at like the right, uh, being at the spots at the right time in the right place and stuff like that. Yeah. Just like timing. Yeah, timing's different in the NBA than it is in college. Vernon Carey joining me here on the on the program. I talked about what you talked about what it's like playing for Coach K and playing in the UNC Duke uh, rivalry. If you had a chance to look at the Blue Devils this year, give me your thoughts on the Blue Devils this season with all the circumstances going on with it. I mean, especially for like the rookies, because like Jalen and DJ and um, and Jeremy, those, of, uh, those freshmen. I mean, just being able to learn and learn on their first game, time and intensity. I mean, being in Durham around that uh, around the crew around Coach K I would miss them too Vernon Carey joining me here on the program talking all things Hornets UNC Duke if you're a fan of football who are you picking for the Super Bowl on Sunday That's Vernon Carey, um, rookie for the Charlotte Hornets, playing with the Charlotte Hornets and the G League's Greensboro Swarm. Joining me here on the program. Vernon, a pleasure to have you on, my man. Thank you so much. Yes, having Well, Vernon Carey is a rookie that's going to do a lot of good things, I believe, for the Charlotte Hornets. 
and the NBA. And I can't wait to see what he does. Can't wait to see what he does. This is Snowman in the Morning.